Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Well, welcome back to Riverside Online. It's great to have you with us again today. We're continuing our series called Faith, which we started last week. Uh, last week we looked at this, what we call the snowdrop event of Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, uh, that sign that a future hope that Jesus would return one day and renew all things. And if you missed that talk, as always, you can catch up on our website, uh, our podcasts or our YouTube channel will take you there and you get a chance to listen to that talk from last week. One of the key verses that we landed on last week is in the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And as we said last week, the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey this sense of as we walk in faith, it takes on greater tangibility in our lives, greater substance. We sort of head towards the promises of God and these things become more tangible as we take hold of them. Well, chapter 11 in your Bibles, most of, it, most of our Bibles, it says, the title above chapter 11 says, Faith in Action. And this is because in this chapter we see a whole list of biblical characters who lived a life of faith. Uh, It starts right back with Abel, of Cain and Abel, and the writer goes right through to people like David, Samuel and the prophets. And you can see all this in about verse 32 of chapter 11. And then he goes on to describe this whole group of unnamed people of faith, people who've lived lives of faith through difficulties and persecution and hardship. So reading from verse 35, it says this, There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. And the phrase here, none of them received what had been promised, tells us that the writer is is exploring the lives of people who lived pre-Jesus. They were living lives of faith prior to when Jesus came and lived on the earth himself. And unlike you and I, as we talked about last week, they, can't, they couldn't look back at the historical event of Jesus' death and resurrection. They could only look forward in faith. They had sort of whispers of a Messiah, of a new hope, of a God who would come and renew and transform and put everything right. And it was with these whispers of faith that they tried to live their own expressions of faith in their own lives. They tried to live in step with the promise of God's fulfillment that he would bring, that someone would come and put all things right. And they all tried to be responsive to God's leading as they lived their own lives of faith. There's an apparent contradiction in this passage we find. The writer says they lived and died while still waiting for what was promised. And yet earlier on in verse 33 he says, through faith they gained what was promised. And this touches into what we talked about last week. These people were spiritual forerunners. They were people of faith just like you and I. They looked forward to a time when someone would come, when the Messiah would come, when Jesus would come. 
We look back to that point in history and they looked forward. And even though these people lived and died thousands of years and hundreds of years ago, they still began to take on a substance to their faith in what was promised. And there's a a convergence that takes place between their lives and our lives. It says this in Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. A couple of weeks ago, on Wednesday the 7th of October, a young Ethiopian woman called Letasay Begedne, she broke a record. She, she tried to run a new record for the 5,000 metres. And uh, the record for this distance had, had, had been set for 12 years. It had stood unbroken. And last, uh, two weeks ago Wednesday, uh, Gidney tried to break this record. So let's, um, let's look. She's trying to beat a time of 14 minutes and 11 seconds, a record that stood for 12 years. And let's watch and see how she did. Here we go then. Does history beckon for Letessa Bengide? We will be watching the clock. But there is a reason that record of Tyranish Tababas has stood for 12 years. She's one of the all-time greats. She's got to be able to do this. It's been a fantastic effort. It's a record that has stood for 12 years. This has been a year that's been so hard for so many people. And here she is, pouring her heart and soul out here. An inspiration to young women all across Ethiopia, all across Africa, all across the world. This has been a performance of such heart. Twice a global champion at cross country. Outdoors a silver medalist last year in Doha. But this would be the crowning moment so far, surely. She's got about 110 metres to go. I'm having to stand up because everybody in front of us has got their mobile phones out. Letess and Bekhide driving for history, driving for the line. Come on, come on, Letess and Bekhide, you can do this. It's going to be a new world record in Valencia. Unbelievable. 14.06. She has smashed. She has smashed a record that has stood to the greatest 10,000 metre runner in history for more than 12 years. Well, I think you'll agree that was an amazing run and maybe inspiring to anybody who fancies trying the couch to 5K, although I'm not sure you'll get anywhere near Gidney's time. An amazing feat there by, uh, by a young runner. And as Gidney came down the home stretch, you could hear the crowd cheering. And even though COVID meant there was virtually uh, not many people in that stadium because of, of what was happening with COVID, you still heard the commentator say, I'm having to stand up because everyone's on their feet. Everyone's got their mobile phones out. They're filming this momentous occasion. And you could hear him shouting, come on, come on. And he's cheering and shouting for Gidney to break the world record. And this is what's been described in Hebrews 12. It talks about this great cloud of witnesses that surround us. And the imagery here the writer is giving us in, in Hebrews is this imagery of a stadium, of a sporting event. And you and I are down on the running track. And all around us in the crowd is this vast cloud of spiritual witnesses, people who've gone before and lived lives of faith. And they now form this spiritual crowd of people who are cheering us on to run the race that's marked out for us. All these people who've gone before are cheering for you and they're cheering for me to live a life of faith. 
And you can imagine them shouting, come on, come on, getting to their feet and willing you and I on to, to move into all that God has for us. We saw last week that faith starts with a fact. It starts with embracing the historical fact of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And if faith starts with a fact, it goes forward with one thing. It goes forward with friends. John Wimber, who was one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement, said this. He said, people come to church for all sorts of reasons and they stay because of one. And that one is relationships. Relationships, friends, people who join us for the journey. One of my favourite verses in the Bible is found in Psalm 68 verse 9. It says, God sets the lonely in families. And this isn't just a verse trying to say, oh, somebody on the fringe, God takes them and sort of puts them into a, into, you know, a family with kids and a mom and a dad and all that sort of stuff. What it really is about is that God has a heart to put everyone into community. It's like he says he takes those who are in a desolate place and gives them a place called home. God's heart is that no one is alone. God is reconciling all things to himself, reconciling people to each other. God's heart is that he sets you and I in a community, a place of belonging and a place of love. In the section we just touched on, the the writer there encourages us to throw off the sin that's so easily entangled so we can run the race that's marked out for us. I'm not going to major on this topic of sin today because in a couple of weeks' time, Keely will pick up this this topic when she talks about faith and freedom. But just to mention today, one of the most damaging effects of a life turned away from God and a life turned inwards is the loneliness that that brings. We aren't meant to live this life alone. We aren't meant to journey alone. We all need companions and we all need friends who can cheer us on. And as you listen to this talk today, I want to encourage you that you're being cheered on by three different groups. Firstly, you're being cheered on by God the Father, by Jesus the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to take heart. To take heart, because even though in this world they would have trouble, he said, I have overcome the world, and I have called you friends. A life of faith starts with us giving our yes to Jesus. We talked about this last week. And when we do that, we come into a relationship with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus' Son, and with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John's Gospel that when we give our yes to him, when we open the door of our hearts to him, those three persons of God come and make their home within us. God takes up residence with us. It's like a four-way house share begins when we give our yes to Jesus. And this bond of friendship and community and companionship is something that is with us forever. God said, never will I leave you, never will I abandon you. I'm not a fair-weather friend. I will be with you forever in community, in love. And a life of faith means going forward as a four. You, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And from the moment you give your yes and you open the door of your heart, then God comes in and resides with you. That's the promise that we find in the Bible. God promises that you will never be alone again. Maybe you haven't done that yet. 
Maybe you're still thinking about Jesus and pondering about him. I want to say today that Jesus is still cheering you on. He's standing outside the door of your heart and he's still cheering for you. And he's waiting patiently for you to open the door to him. He wants to come in to your life. He wants to come in and rid your life of any loneliness. He wants to form that community within you. God the Father, Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. So firstly today, we've got, we've got the Godhead, we've got the three persons of God cheering us on. The second group is this great cloud of witnesses that we just mentioned from Hebrews. All these people of faith from the past are converging with your present and they form this incredible crowd. Just imagine yourself in the biggest stadium you can think of and you're down on the track and every seat is full in the stadium and it's full of people who are utterly for you. They've lived their lives of faith. They've run their races. And now they're this great cloud of witnesses who's cheering you on. Come on, come on. And they're encouraging you to run the race before you. Everybody wants you to succeed. Everybody wants you to win. But just before the starting gun goes off, Jesus walks over to you and he puts the gold medal round your neck and says, you've won, now run the race. And that's the thing about the Christian faith. We don't run a race to get God's affirmation, to, to, to get success, to make him proud. Jesus says, I've done the winning. Now you can run the race. There's a race that's marked out for each one of us, but we run that race from the security of God's love. We never run that race to get God's affirmation. But you've got a race that's marked out for you. You've got a track to run that no one else can run. No one else can be the son or the daughter that you are. No one else can be the mother or the father that you are. No one else can be the friend or the neighbour that you are. No one else can be the work colleague who cares for the people around them that you are. This is the race that you are called to run. This is the lane that you are called to run in. And this great cloud of witnesses filling the stadium surrounding surrounding you, encompassing you, it says, literally on all sides, the, the spiritual friends who are cheering you on and championing you to run your race, your life of faith. The Apostle Paul, towards the very end of his life, he said this, he said, I've fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. And the Apostle Paul is in your crowd, he's in your stadium, and he's cheering you on. He said, I've run my race, you run yours. I have fought the good fight, you fight. You fight for all things that are good. I've kept the faith, you keep the faith. I'm cheering you on. And I wish sometimes we'd open our spiritual eyes and we'd see this great cloud around us, see how many people are for us in the spiritual realm. We can take great comfort from the fact that none of these people were perfect. They were ordinary people. They messed up, they... They, were, they lost their way. They sometimes misinterpreted what God was trying to tell them to do. They all made mistakes, but they all ran the race of faith that was marked out for them. And as you read about their humanity and their stories in the Bible, you can be encouraged that they're saying to you, if I can do it, then you can do it. If I can run a life of faith and run a race of faith, you can too. Ordinary people just like you and I have followed God over the centuries. So you're being cheered on by this huge crowd in the spiritual realm that's for you and behind you 
and who's willing you on. And the third group cheering you on is your church family. When we give our yes to Jesus, we get adopted into this huge family that God calls the church. And I want to say today that a life of faith is a life with friends. Sometimes people say to me, if I want to follow Jesus, do I need to go to church? And I think when they say that, they've kind of misunderstood what church really is. Really what they're saying is, do I want to join the community that Jesus created? And I would say, well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to join a community that Jesus has created? When we give our yes to Jesus, we head into this extraordinary community called the church. The Bible describes Jesus as the head and the church as a body. And if Jesus is the head and the church is the body, there's no bits left over for somebody who wants to do a life alone, away from the church. Whenever Jesus moves in our lives, he's in the process of breaking down isolation. He's in the process of reconciling us back to God the Father and back to each other. And this is his great plan. This is the reversal of what sin does, the reversal of a life turned in on itself. The reconciliation in God's heart is to bring all people back into community. And so when we give our yes to Jesus, we get drawn into this group of people, this community of friends called the church. Whether we like it or not, that's what happens. We get drawn into this family. Being part of a church community is fantastic, but also it can be tough because when you're with friends, then sometimes they can expose the shortcomings in our hearts. Sometimes friends can confront the selfish part of who we are. Sometimes the accountability and the self-awareness that being part of a community brings can be uncomfortable with us. But that's God's plan. That's God's great plan to undo lives that are turned away from him and turned inwards. To enable us to live a life of faith, we need friends. We need people with us for the journey. Faith only really goes forward with friends, with people around you. I remember years ago, right back at the start of my own faith journey, someone said to me that trying to do life on your own in God is a bit like when a coal is taken from a fire and placed on the hearth. And that ember glows for a while, but very quickly it cools and goes dark. And that's what it's like to try and live a life of faith without friends. But that ember left in the fire continues to glow brightly because of the warmth of the coals and the fire around it. And that's God's heart for us when we give our yes to him. We, we're called into this journey with friends. We're called to go forward with friends, people who are for us, people who love us, people we trust to have maybe the slightly difficult conversations with. And in the midst of the COVID pandemic, we need friends more than ever. We need to recognise we are still in community. We are physically distanced, but that doesn't mean to say we have to be socially distanced. We still have to maintain our connections with one another. I would encourage you to do everything you can to stay connected with those around you, those who support you, those who are for you. You may have already felt your spiritual life beginning to cool over this time. You may have already felt that your faith is darkening slightly because of the lack of contact or connection. I would encourage you not to let that to continue. I would encourage you to reach out to those around you, those you know who are for you. 
Ask them to pray for you. Ask them to encourage you in the life of faith you've been called to live. We all need trusted companions. We all need people who can spur us on to love and good deeds, even when we don't feel like it. Even when we want to take our eyes off Jesus and put them on something else, we need people around us who can help us stay in our lane and run the race marked out for us. So just to summarise today, I want you to take a great encouragement from the fact that you've got God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit championing you, cheering you on. I want you to take great encouragement for the fact you've got a huge cloud of spiritual friends, witnesses in the heavenly realm who are all around you, who are championing you and cheering you on. And I want you to be encouraged that you've got friends in the church, trusted companions for the journey, people who love you and who are for you, who are championing you and cheering you on. Faith starts with a fact, but it goes forward with friends. Friends are with us for the journey. In your life of faith, you are never alone. God is with you. This great cloud of witnesses is with you. And your companions in the church are with you. Maybe this week, ask God to make you more aware of of this reality, these different parts these groups play in encouraging you to live a life of faith. Maybe look up some of the people mentioned in Hebrews 11. Look at their lives. Look at the way they tried to live out what God was asking them to do. Look at how they failed. Look at their shortcomings. Be encouraged they were just ordinary people trying to respond to the heart of God. It says in Hebrews 11, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Right up to the point when they left this earth physically, they were trying to follow God to the utmost of their hearts. What encouragement can you take from their lives? And thank God for your friends in the church in Riverside and wider, people maybe nationally or internationally, that support you and encourage you. Thank God for them. And maybe ask God how you can cheer them on. How can you support them and champion them? Maybe a phone call or a card or a text. Maybe pray for a specific word of encouragement for them. How can you cheer them on this week in their life of faith? And if you're still wondering today about giving your yes to Jesus... I want to remind you that he's outside the door of your heart and he's cheering for you. He wants to come in and end any loneliness you feel. We've all been in rooms, crowds of people and felt that loneliness inside. And Jesus wants to come in as you open that door and come and make his home with you and bring all these others with him. This great cloud of witnesses, these friends called the church. He wants to bring all these people into your life and take you forward in a life of faith. God's patiently waiting for that house share that we talked about. So a life of faith is a life with friends. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you we can look back at the lives of these ordinary people who did their best to run the races marked out for them. And Lord, I want to thank you for that every person has their own individual lane. You say they've got good works prepared in advance that just they can do. I thank you for this amazing thing that happens when our uniqueness and your, your love come together to produce a life of faith. And God, I pray for everyone watching today that you'd stir them and open their eyes and heart to know they're not alone. All around there are these people that are for them, that you're for them, and you're encouraging us all into the fullness of what your faith promises. 
So Lord, help us this week to, 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 to run the race, to do what you called us to do, and to live by faith. And God, if we need to open the door of our hearts today, I pray that we would do that and invite you in. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.